You are listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. America is in love with being in love. We love shows, movies, songs that are all about love. In fact, if you listen to the radio, just about every song is about someone loving someone else or getting broken up with someone else, which is why I don't listen to the radio. Uh, movies all the time, romantic comedies are incredibly popular. We see love stories. And love is especially important in making sure that The Bachelor and The Bachelorette have had their hundredth season, or hundred thousandth, something like that. We're in love with being in love. Today, St. John talks about love, and he says, tells us to abide in love. This is what he said. So we've come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Abide in love. If we abide in love, God abides in us and us in him. So what does it mean to abide in love? Abiding in love begins with the love of Jesus. Our reading starts right after what John says in, uh, in John 4. In this, the love of God has made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So, of course, abiding in love has to begin with God's love itself, that our Heavenly Father sends His Son to die for you. That is the beginning of all true love, that God loves us so much. Later, in, in John chapter 4, it says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he is in God. It's being in Christ. Confessing his name means that we receive the love of God, this amazing gift from him to give us life. There's a reason why God the Father is called the Father. It's because of that love that starts out for no reason other than that he loves us. When parents have children, that's how love works, isn't it? None of the parents look down at the baby and say, what are you going to do for me, right? All of a sudden, everything that is them is directed towards love of a child. Not because the kid did anything, but because mom and dad love. And that's the father's love for you and for me is that he loved you so much that while you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. That he would send his son to give you love. 
And so, we Christians who have received love, we abide in love. That word abide is a difficult one for us. I think we don't use the word abide very often in the rest of our lives. No one talks about abiding at work, right? We certainly don't. Uh, Another way of talking about it is the word remain or live or dwell. It's almost like uh, as if it's imagining a house, that this is the place where you live. Abiding in love means being fully immersed your whole life in that kind of love, the love of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? That's what Jesus himself tells us in John chapter 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. To abide in love means to be connected to Jesus. Not just that the Father sent his Son 2,000 years ago, but that Jesus comes to you right here, right now. That he connects to you through the body and blood that you will eat in the Lord's Supper. That his word fills you and connects you to his love. To abide in love, to dwell in love, means that we have to be so fully immersed in Christ that it is everything that we are. Our lives, our identities, our hope, our trust, our future, everything comes from him. This is the amazing promise he gives us. That Christ is everything for us. That Jesus is our future, Jesus is our hope, Jesus is our present, strengthening us now. He is the one who gives us life and the one who sustains our love for each other. This is the gift we get because of Jesus. John continues to talk about what it means to abide in love. So first we have to receive that love from Christ, then we live and we dwell by being connected to Jesus as the vine is connected to the branches. And then he says, by this is love perfected with us, so that we have confidence for the day of judgment, because it is he also, we are in this world. When God's love comes to us, it means that we have confidence. Because Jesus died for us, he is the propitiation for our sins. That's the sacrifice that pleases our Father in heaven. So when he looks on us, he sees God's people and not sinners. He sees God's children and not people who are to be condemned. He sees people he loves and saves. Which means when Jesus returns and he sets up the judgment and he divides the sheep from the goats, we have confidence that we can stand before him and be among the sheep. We have confidence that when he looks down on us on that last day, we will be judged innocent. We will be saved. That's the amazing gift, the confidence to say God loves us and I know this for certain. That kind of confidence means we don't need to be afraid. 
John continues, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. There are a lot of ways that people employ fear as the reason for love. For many Christians, the command itself is something that they say, you, you must love because God says so. And it's seen as an accusation. You have to do this or else God will not love you back. That's love out of fear, isn't it? That's love because you're scared that you'll be punished. There are people who will love because it's our duty. They will go out and love. They say, you know what? I don't really want to do this, but I love because it's my job. That is also love out of fear. Because it's not motivated from the Christ's love overflowing into the world around us. It's motivated by God's law, by I must do this. But I think the most common way we love out of fear is not out of fear of punishment, but out of fear of not having enough. When we talk about love, very often we talk about love that is reciprocal. That's why The Bachelor is so exciting for everyone. That's the, the perfect example of reciprocal love is when you go and try to find your one true soulmate who just happens to be the bachelor or the bachelorette every time, the love they're looking for isn't the one-way love that God demonstrates in Christ. The bachelor wants someone who makes him happy. The bachelorette wants to make it to the final show. But that's what love is. Love is about, I will do for you if you will do for me. And we see that in, in families, in friends, in marriages. Love only works for them if the other person pleases me and I please them. You can see that in wedding vows. I hate personalized wedding vows. I think the worst idea ever in a wedding. Why? Because they always promise stuff they can't do. They never, ever get it right. But sometimes it just becomes all about pure selfishness, and it shows exactly what, what uh, I'm talking about. I went to an article on thenot.com, which is all about weddings, and they gave some examples of great personalized wedding vows, and I'm going to read these to you. I'll show you exactly what I mean. This one is from the bride. Her name is Chelsea. There is an infinite number of things I love about you. I love your thoughtfulness and your ability to keep me grounded. I love your loyalty to me and your relationship. I love the way you weirdly get excited about Chipotle water. And I love how you laugh really hard. Your one eye starts to crinkle up. It's part of her wedding vows, right? What does she love about the person? All the things that the, the person does that makes her happy. Eric, her fiancé, responds, I love your laugh, your smile, and your caring nature, and that face you make when something is so cute, you just have to squeeze it. 
They go on to promise some things, of course. But doesn't that demonstrate exactly what I'm talking about? Would their relationship be love if Eric and Chelsea didn't find something that makes them laugh or amuses them or, or makes their heart on fire or is chemistry that attracts them to each other? When we talk about love, this is something that we have in our minds as what love really means. That we'll reject other people if they don't fulfill us, if they don't love us, if they don't serve us the way we want them to, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's not love, is it? Love is what God does, the one-way love of Jesus Christ. God sent his son to die for you before you did anything, before you loved him, before you responded to him, even before you were born, when you were a sinner who rejected him, he came to you. And he grabbed a hold of you and wouldn't let you go, no matter how much you fought him then or try to fight him now. That is love isn't it? Not that we desire from someone else, but we give. God's love comes to us. We love, as John says, because he first loved us. And that's the kind of love that God calls each of us to for each other. Love that does not depend on what the other person does, but what God did for us. John continues when he talks about what that looks like in our lives. He says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. See, love... When it comes from God and it fills us and we abide in it, this gift of Jesus Christ, it overflows into each other. This is what's going on with the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man, it doesn't mention faith or trust in God or anything like that. But we see the lack of that because he passes by Lazarus every day and does nothing. How can you love God if you cannot love the brother that you see? If you do not love those around you, you do not love God. God's love, when it comes to us, overflows in that kind of love. And it isn't just John who talks about this. There are a number of places, but none especially so good as when we see it in James chapter 2. It says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, 
and I will show you my faith by my works. Isn't that what it means to be filled with God's love, to have faith and trust in him? It's not some sort of mental assent to spiritual truths. I say that Jesus exists. It's faith that comes from God. It's love that flows from him toward each other. This is how we show that God has saved us. This is how we show that Christ came and loved us, is that we love each other. Not with a love that requires someone to do something for us, but love that says, I love no matter what. I love the way God loved me and sent his only son to die for me so that I can have life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaburwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Lambs.